We are continuing our study on the glories of heaven. What will heaven be like? And if there are any questions that you might have about heaven or about death or any of that kind of uh, thing, then go ahead and uh, let me know about it so I can make sure to work it into our study and to cover it. So let's pray as we begin this evening's study. Heavenly Father, thank you for tonight, and thank you for bringing us out by your grace. I pray that you would minister to our hearts and our lives. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins, and thank you for being present and carrying our burdens for us. We pray, O Lord, that you would open our hearts and our minds by your Spirit as we study and consider the glories of of, uh, your dwelling place. I pray that you would help us to be encouraged by it, and we thank you for all of your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. So what we want to cover tonight is the question, what happens when we die? So we've looked at heaven being God's dwelling place. We looked a little bit as to what heaven is going to be like, and there's actually a part two for that. We're going to have to come back to that and consider some more things. But uh, we started in considering what heaven's going to be like, and tonight we want to look at what happens when we die. Now, I'm really going to be focusing in on what happens when Christians die. There's a whole other uh, set of stuff that happens to unbelievers when they die. And if you're interested in hearing that uh, as well, we can cover that at another time. But I just want to focus tonight on what happens when Christians die. So this is the question, what happens when we die as Christians? And this is really important, and this is where we can draw our comfort as to looking forward in life and and. Uh, just kind of building up our expectation of what we can look forward to. And, and let me just say right off the bat that there is a hope that we have that the rest of the world does not have and cannot have apart from Jesus Christ. So right there we can take some comfort that because we believe in Jesus, we have the hope of eternal life, and that begins right now. We can look forward to that as we uh, approach the day of our passing from this life. Okay? So the first point I want to consider this night is this, that death is not a punishment for Christians. Now, this might seem, well, yeah, sure, but at the same time, we have to consider it because how did death enter into the world? Death entered into the world when Adam sinned and Eve sinned. It was because of their sin that death entered into the world, and so death was kind of the judgment or was the judgment for their failure and for their shortcoming and for their sinfulness. And we all experience sin as well. And so we have to kind of adjust the reason for death coming into the world for us as believers because through Christ there has been a change or an adjustment, if you will, a shift in the emphasis of uh, how death is viewed. So, of course, we consider our sins and through Jesus Christ all of our sins have been forgiven, right? And when we consider, about, consider our sins having been forgiven, we're talking about our past sins, and we're talking about any future sins that we might commit. God have mercy. I mean, we don't want to commit any sins in the future, and I, I hope that's our heart and desire, that uh, we fight against sin, and we repent of our sins, and we go forward striving to walk in the Spirit as opposed to walking in the flesh, and avoid as much sin as possible. Nevertheless, uh, it is inevitable that we will fall into some kind of sinfulness during the course of our life. And so we are saddened by that, and that should 
break us in our hearts, but at the same time, there is comfort in knowing that Jesus died for all of our sins, past, present, and future. And there is not the necessity of making sure we confess all our sins before we take our final breath. So if people have the idea that, well, I've got to confess my sin, I've got to confess my sin, which we do, but unless I confess my sin, there's, you know, I, I'm not going to be forgiven for that. That part is not true. Because God forbid, I mean, we get in an accident or die suddenly, and we don't have the opportunity to confess all of our sins, or even worse, that there are sins in our hearts and in our lives that we're unaware of, and thus not confessing or not repenting of, uh, and we die, then what about all of those sins? Well, our faith in Jesus puts us in Christ, and there is the forgiveness of all of our sins. Whether we confess them or we don't confess them, we don't have to worry about making sure to confess every single sin before we pass away. Uh, Again, we should try to confess and we should repent, but it is not a necessity for being saved to confess our sins. The blood of Jesus covers our lives and there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And this is the first verse that I want us to look at. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, and it says as much, and this is a great verse, one that highlights our position in Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And that last part there, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit, reflects who we are as Christians, okay? So in Christ, there is no condemnation, and this is something for rejoicing. We can rejoice, and we can take comfort in that. So God's plan for life is more than our idea for life. And and this is where we answer this question of, or this point, that death is not a punishment, because it was a punishment for Adam and Eve, and it is a punishment for all those who live and sin and who do not have Christ. But then in Christ, there is a transformation. And this transformation has to do with God's perspective on life. It is much bigger than our perspective. Now, what I mean by that is our perspective of life really encapsulates the 80 years that we live, or 90, or 100, or however. How many of you want to live to 120? Anybody here want to live to 100? (laughs) Some of us want to live to 120. Um, if, if I could be at 120 like I'm at now, I'll take that, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, but should we live 70 or 80 years? Uh, that, that kind of, that, that is the view or the emphasis that we take on our lives. You know, any, any person is going to look at their life and that's what their life is all about. And there have been people throughout history who have tried to, tried to find... Uh, um, the fountain of youth, or some, something that enables them to prolong their life. And if we think that this was just kind of a past superstition or an attempt in the past for people to find this kind of how to live longer, it is not. I've been reading a diet book, actually, not recent, I mean recently, and in this new book, it talks about the efforts of people in order to, you know, take this supplement or make this change in their, you know, metabolism or something in order to prolong life. So there might not be the superstitious approach to prolonging life, but there is an ongoing scientific approach in an attempt to prolong our lives and to make our lives better. So the, the attempt or the search for 
continuing life continues to this day. So, uh, and it has to. I mean, if you don't believe in Jesus, there is no hope, right? You know, I mean, if you die, then, you know, that's the end of it. And so nobody wants to die. You've got to make the best of it and hopefully make it as long as possible. And, uh, and that's just how the world goes. But God's view of life is much more than the 70 or the 80 years of human, the human perspective. Life is much bigger than that, especially when you consider eternity. I was just talking to somebody about this. I don't remember who, but um, what, is, what is our 70 years for eternity? What is 70 years in eternity, right? I, I mean, you can't even say it's this much. It's like nothing. You know, it's nothing to eternity. It's, uh, uh, the Bible calls it like a breath. You know, that, you know that, that's, even, that's even generous, honestly, <laughs> because uh, uh, eternity quickly eclipses 70 or 80 or 120 years or however. Uh, and this is what we're talking about when we talk about eternal life. It's much bigger than this life. And this is why, as Christians, our perspective has to, at some point during the course of our life, kind of leave the 70 years and look beyond that to Christ and to the glories of heaven. And this is kind of what we're talking about here. And so, in Jesus, there is a transformation of the view of life. We don't have to fear the end of our 70 years, because for us, this is just a stepping stone to something that will just, just completely eclipse these 70 years. And it's hard for us to kind of look beyond that, but that is our attempt as Christians. That is what we strive to do, to focus on the spiritual and the true the, the trueness of life and death and all of that. That's what we, uh, we try to do. And of course, uh, you know, we have the revelation of Scripture to help us in that. So for this reason, we have this verse, and, and this is a, kind of a fabulous verse. It says in Psalm 116, 15, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Right? So God doesn't look at our death as something to be sad over. This is a great moment of joy uh, in his presence, because for him, this is the transition is nothing. As, as a matter of fact, it's a better transition. Uh, going from here to heaven is a much better transition than you know, kind of staying here and, and prolonging this. So life, from God's perspective, is bigger than our 70 or 80 years. It includes eternity, and God looks at the death of his saints. There is something valuable or precious in that. So we can take courage, we can be encouraged by that, uh, and uh, look forward to you know, our eternal life. Now, the mystery in all of this is that God continues to allow the working of sin in the physical world to have its impact upon our flesh. So, in other words, when you accepted Christ, there wasn't a flash of light from heaven, and there wasn't you know, this radiance just kind of shining forth from us. Uh, for all intents and purposes, we looked exactly like we looked before we accepted Christ, and we continued to progress in our life, continued to deal with sickness, and uh, continue ha- to have to deal with all of that um, from the time of our salvation. There was no fundamental, obvious change to our physical nature. I, I mean, God didn't have to do it this way, right? I mean, he could have just kind of infused us with this eternal life, and, you know, we could have... We could have maybe appeared like Moses when he came down from the mountain and after having seen God, you remember that? And his face shone with the glory of God and he had to put a veil over, over his face. He could have, I mean, Jesus could do something like that for us. And, uh, you know, 
We could just kind of, when it's time for our time for us to leave here and just kind of go to heaven, we can just kind of step into heaven and uh, have some kind of personal rapture or something. You know, he could do it like that, but he doesn't. He he chooses for whatever reason to allow us to continue to go through the normal normal stages of life and death like everybody else. So we continue to grow older, right? I, I'm not, but I don't know about you all. You know, most people, I'm just kidding. You know, I'm just, all of us, all of us, we just continue to uh, grow older and age and our bodies start to fall apart and all kinds of things happen to us. And, and for some reason, God has chosen to allow that to be the process that continues. And maybe he allows it to go on like that to demonstrate how he works all things out for good. Maybe, you know, because one day there's going to be a resurrection and he's going to say to all the skeptics, see, I told you, uh, this is what I've got for my children and it is great and glorious. And so maybe this life is like a seed, you know, you plant it in the ground and it dies, but through its death, New life springs from it, right? And, and this is actually an analogy of Scripture. And so the, the seed grows and it becomes a, a plant that produces a whole lot of fruit and, and growth and so on. So our lives are like that seed being planted in the ground and one day it's going to rise again from the dead and it'll be a super body, all right? A yeah, super body. We'll, we'll uh, look at a passage that talks about what our resurrection body will be like. So, God has transformed death, but yet it continues and he works through it in order to accomplish a greater purpose. And even though he has transformed it, it is still an enemy. So again, like I said, there's a mystery going on here because death is still the enemy. We still, you know, it is still the result of sin and there, it is still something to be fought uh, but there is coming a day when this enemy, death, will be finally, once and for all, destroyed. So we find verses like 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 26, that tells us this. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. It is an enemy, and it will be destroyed. Another verse we could look at, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, by the way, if you want to get a preview of what it's going to be like in the resurrection, you can read 1 Corinthians 15, especially the latter half of the chapter. So many good verses there. But notice what it says here in these two verses. It says, so when this corruptible, that's this body, when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory, O death, where is your sting? O Hades or hell, where is your victory? So in that day, there will be a final victory. Death will be destroyed. Hell will be destroyed. And there will, we will no longer have to experience any of this. Curtis, you have a question? Yeah. 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 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. There's so many ways to answer that. And and uh, let me just let me just say in response to what you said. And again, there's so many things I could say, but let me just say this that um we are Christians, and God has transformed us, and he has filled us with his spirit, and he has given us gifts, and we have a responsibility while we are on this earth to live for Jesus. So we have to have faith, and we have to trust in him, and we have to proclaim the truth from our mouths. And there is, there is a, a calling that he has placed on each one of us to live in this life for as long as we have this life to live it for him. And when our time comes... When there's no more work for us to do here on this earth, then he will take us. And so even in that, there's a hope that we can have. And the hope is this, is that no matter what sickness assails us, no matter what accident um, confronts us, no matter what we have to, to deal with in this life, as long as we're alive, we have work to do for Jesus. And when our work is done, then we will go. So in a sense, uh, Christians are, we're kind of like all immortal here. <laughs> to use a to use a worldly word, we are immortal in the fact or in the sense that we cannot die or pass from this life until our work is done, and then we will leave. And so if you're here and you're living and breathing, anybody not living and breathing, I'll call the EMS. All right, everybody living and breathing still? If you're living and breathing, you have something to do for Jesus. And so live for Jesus. Live for Jesus. That's why you're here. So Keep living for Jesus. All right. So until the time of death, we live in this life and uh, we continue to go forward with all of our struggles and all of, uh, you know, dealing and wrestling and, you know, everything that we have to, to face. We, we must do that for the glory of God in everything. So let every word that comes out of your mouth be for the glory of God. Let every, every action that you do with whatever strength you have be for the glory of God. Uh, Jesus put it this way. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. So with every part of you, make sure to glorify God all the time. That's why we are here, to give glory to God. And when our time is done, he will take us home, and that will be better for us than it is right now. So we continue to go through this life. But death is not a punishment for us. It is just kind of a step. It is a stepping stone, and we look forward to the eternal life that he gives us. Uh, through Jesus, this idea of death is transformed. We no longer need to fear it. So that brings us to our next point, and uh, how should we view death? How should we, do, how should we view death? Well, uh, at, at the very least, we should not fear death we should not fear death. There should be no fear of death, not like the world anyways. That doesn't mean that people don't struggle when they're faced with death. You know, we still have to deal with the, uh, the inclinations of our human nature, and, and uh, sometimes uh, that'll cause some trouble for us when we face death. It is a fearful thing from the human perspective. Has anybody ever read The Pilgrim's Progress? The Pilgrim's, all right, some of you have read The Pilgrim's Progress. So in The Pilgrim's Progress, the, the final kind of obstacle is the river. And so Christian comes up to the river, and he's struggling in crossing the river. Uh, meanwhile, he sees somebody else just kind of get into the river and swim across and, you know, having no struggle. But the, the river just 
The river stands for death. As a matter of fact, there's a, on Jordan's stormy banks, I stand. That's kind of a, it's, it's a song of impending death. The Jordan River is death. So Christian struggles in the face of death while others cross without any struggle. And that's how it is. Some, of, some people struggle when they're faced with death. Some people don't struggle when they face, they're faced with death. And, and I think that that's characteristic of our lives. Some things that you struggle with, I have faith for and I don't struggle with them. Other things that I struggle with, you have faith for and you don't faith for them and you don't struggle with them. And so, you know, we do well in some areas, we do not so well in other areas. And that's just how life is. We strive in this life to trust in God in all things. And so we try to do better. That's how it is with Christina and I. The things that she's good at, um, I struggle with. The things that I'm good at, she struggles with. And, and we just try to help each other. So if I'll share something that I'm struggling with, she'll just kind of blurt out the right answer as if it's no big deal. And meanwhile, it's like, well, thanks a lot for that. You know, I knew that up here, but I'm struggling, you know, really coming to grips with that in my life. But for her, it's no problem. And, you know, I kind of do the same thing there. And we... Uh, help each other. But we have verses like this, Psalm 23, 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And really, this is where it comes down uh, to. Uh, how clearly are we seeing God in this or that? How, how strong is our faith? How true is our faith in this situation or that situation? And in reality... If we had a sense of the presence of God in all of our situations, in all of life, what would we fear? What would cause us anxiety and stress? Nothing. And so it just reveals to us the extent of how much more growth we have in our spiritual life, right? Everybody with me on that? We got, we got a long way to go still in, in many ways. So let us fight the good fight. Let us grow in our faith in the Lord. Let us keep trusting in Him. Because the greater our vision of God, the less struggle we will have, the less anxiety we will have, the less fear and stress we will have in this life. And, uh, and so that's the challenge of the Christian life. In Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39, it says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a great passage of Scripture this is, and it tells us that nothing, no matter what, can separate us from His love for us. Nothing. There's nothing. Now, we don't always feel like that, and again, this is the struggle that we have in life, uh, the anxiety and the stress that comes from our circumstances and situations, but uh, we need to focus our eyes on Jesus and not take them off Jesus, and the greater our glimpse of Jesus, the greater the comfort and the peace and the joy that we'll have in our heart in the things that we face in life. So, be a Christian, let us grow in Christ. We should not, here, here's the encouragement for, our, for life, our encouragement for a Christian life, we should not be... Um, the same today in our spirituality as we were yesterday. We should not be, there should be progress. Uh, our hope would be that there is progress in our lives. I mean, the truth is, we don't always progress in our spiritual life. We struggle. Sometimes we can even go backwards. There's a couple of verses that talk about that. But uh, 
The, the challenge or the, the goal for us as Christians is that tomorrow my faith will be stronger and more firm in the Lord than today. And we should keep on growing and growing in the Lord. All right? Um, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. And this kind of gives us a preview of uh, the view of heaven that we should have. This is Paul's perspective. And we know that Paul is really having faith in the Lord, especially in all of the times in which he came near death and faced death. He says this, when we, we are confident, yes, well-pleased rather, to be absent from the body and to be present, uh, to be present with the Lord. So for Paul, um, he is here and he says in another passage, um, I, I might read it here, but he says in another passage, he says that um, if I'm here, I'm going to serve the Lord. If I'm here, that means serving the Lord. But if I leave, well, that's better because I'm present with Jesus. And so that's, that's kind of our perspective. As long as we're here, we'll praise the Lord. I'm here to serve the Lord. But as soon as I leave, well, that's better. Because, you know, I can put all this behind me and I can go and be in his presence. And that is much greater. Uh, the, the passage I was looking at, we'll just read it here first. Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 through 23. says, For me to live is Christ. You see that? While I'm living, it is for Christ. And to die is gain. If I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell, for I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to, be, uh, to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. And then he, he says, but uh, to remain is to be more needful for you. So this is the view that we have as Christians concerning life and death, that to live is Christ, to live is to serve Jesus, and to die is gain, to die is better. That is our view of death. 